Hello and welcome to episode 58 of the officially unofficial Def Leppard podcast, Def Leppard, and the final episode of season five before we take a break for a couple of months or so. However, stay subscribed, everyone. Stay subscribed because there will still be plenty of bonus episodes in that time where we're technically away for a couple of months. And what we're doing, just like Def Leppard, we're going to reinvent old material and present it in different ways, just like they're doing on Drastic Symphonies. And we'll be harvesting Def Leppard's YouTube material. It's award-winning YouTube material. It's never won any awards, right? And we're going to make some tweaks to it, add a few bits and bobs, move a few things around, and then we're going to make podcast episodes and put them out there in audio format. As well as the bonus episodes, there's also going to be bonus, bonus episodes You'll have to wait out to find out what that is, but it's all very exciting, okay? And talking of exciting, and possibly Def Leppard's best ever segue there, I, I must admit, is me and you, Paul, and many other Def Leppard fans, we're going to preview, and we're going to go to, not one, but two Def Leppard hometown gigs in Sheffield in the next seven to ten days. My head's gone. Where do we start? Two weeks ago. I was going to one Def Leppard gig and I could not contain my excitement about that. I had Bramall Lane lined up. Uh, I was building my whole, my weeks building up to it were all based around like logistically making sure I was going to be in the right place at the right time because I travel a lot for work and I had to sort all this business out. Fast forward to today and so, I'm actually going to three Def Leppard gigs as a result of some various bits and bobs that have happened over the course of the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to the book signing event in London on Tuesday as well. It's been an unbelievable couple of weeks from a personal perspective. And today has been uh, a bit of a, a bit of a head fuck, frankly, <laughs> in terms of how things have turned out today, because I recognize how unbelievably lucky you and I have been like, you know, we're, we're sat here having this chat, uh, and you and I got tickets for the lead mill and I know an awful lot of people didn't and obviously you feel really really sorry for those people but we looked out like something not right didn't we yeah and that's it just to clarify that the two gigs that we are talking about you listen to this so we assume that you know but on the 19th of May Friday Def Leppard are playing in the lead mill which is a small club gig about 850 capacity. That was only announced a week ago, so that's a very last-minute thing. It's very, very exciting in terms of it's a very different type of Def Leppard show it looks like it's going to be, and we'll be able to talk about that in a minute. And then the original one, and I think still going to be the main part of, of our chat today, is the Bramall Lane show on Monday, which is Sheffield United's ground. It's uh, a stadium, and it'll be the first time that Def Leppard have played in one of their own gigs in a stadium, as far as I'm aware, since um, Don Valley, almost 30 years ago to the day. And that was another Sheffield show. So they're the two shows that we're talking about. We're also going to just talk a little bit logistics as well. So, Paul, we'll come back to the lead mill in a minute. You know, on the Monday at Sheffield, I'm getting a train from the motherland here, okay? We're going to meet on the same... You're going to get on the same train at Manchester. And I believe in Mrs. Paul as well. Quick question. Will you have cans with you? Yes. I'm bringing cans and I'm bringing snacks. What are you... Are you more minded to, well, you're more minded towards like mini pork pies, baby bells. What, what, what do you fancy? Mini pork pies. Definitely. Do you like mini scotch eggs where they don't... There's not like a full egg in it, but it's more like a sort of like egg mush, which makes you sound disgusting. But like, again, egg bites... Yeah, fine. Uh, I'll bring along some egg bites. I'm going to bring a really nice little selection. It's a short train journey. For those who don't know, it's like it's about 50 minutes. It's less than an hour. But so, so from the yeah. point at which I join you with with a bag of cans and by which everybody, by the way, I mean a lot of alcohol, uh, a bag of cans and all these snacks. It's only about 50 minutes. So we're going to sort of race through all that. It's a gorgeous train journey for anyone who is unfamiliar with it as well. It goes right Never through the Pennines. It. Really? That actually surprises me. Well, this is it. I was someone asked me the other day about it. You asking me a question about Sheffield, and I was thinking about it. It's like I haven't been to Sheffield since June sixth, nineteen ninety three, when I went to see Def Leppard at Don Valley. That was the first and last time that I've been to Sheffield. And even then, I got a coach from the Royal Court Theatre in Liverpool 
which by the way is where the Bring It On A Heartbreak like 1981 uh, video was filmed. And the coach, because back in the day, Paul, back in the day, and at the risk of sounding like an old man shouting at clouds, rather than doing ridiculous shit like we did this morning, and I know a lot of other people suffered with, with online, 9am, almost impossible to get tickets, God knows how we got one. I was lighting candles last night to be Joe Elliott's shrine, so I think that that, that might have done it. But anyway, in the old days where you didn't have to mess dick, dick around, I'm going to say, with um, online stuff and impossibility you just used to go down to like a place queue up if you got there you get your ticket and then you could do shit like oh yeah and can i pay eight pounds for a bus ticket and i'll just come here and i'll get on a bus with loads of people other people who are into rock and metal who will have cans and then you'll take me straight there and i'll go and see the gig and then afterwards i'll come back on and you bring me back home it was just oh you know many things were better in the old days many things are better now i get that you know but I think with concert going, some of the stuff was better in the old days. The getting back home thing from Bramall Lane has presented its own challenge to me because we're, so we'll arrive, we're getting into town about three o'clock-ish, aren't we? And then the plan is to just, we, we, I don't think we've quite decided exactly which pubs we're heading to and what have you, but Sheffield is a city that I know to some degree. I've, I've spent quite a, quite a bit of time in Sheffield over the years. Um, so we're going to, uh, obviously, it'll be kind of a pub to pub thing. I've got to be up at 5am the following morning because I've got to get a train to London. I've got to be in London for 9am the following day uh, after that Bromwell Lane gig. And this is the type of logistics that I've had to worry about in terms of where is the equipment and either work and all this sort of business. So an awful lot of planning has gone into this to make sure that at, literally from the moment I step onto that train and, and find you on there, that nothing else has to be worried about. Every duck is in a row, and it's just full-blown Def Leppard party time from that moment forwards. I like the idea of finding me on the train, as if I'm going to be like lying on the floor already, or crying in the toilet or something, but just nervous excitement and nervous exhaustion. Are you going to have cans of, and get this, Paul, you can get cans of a beer, an IPA, if you like that type of thing, I do, called Lead Mill, which is a beer that apparently you can get from the Morrisons, Morrisons to shop up Morrisons in Sheffield somewhere, and they sell it. But I don't know if they might sell it in Manchester as well, because you're not a million miles away. And that beer is part of this whole thing of Save the Lead Mill. Oh, can you tell our listeners about what this whole Save the Lead Mill thing is and also how Death Leopard are related to it and the show that we're going to be going to a week on Friday? Yeah, so the the, the Friday gig, which is three days before the, the, the gig at Bramall Lane, is a charity gig as well as acting as a warm-up gig for the tour that will subsequently follow. Uh, small music venues in this country have suffered terribly over the course of the last three years. They were hit by the pandemic, obviously, in the first instance where we weren't allowed to go out. And then subsequently, there's been all sorts of other problems. Um, obviously, the cost of living is a massive issue for people living in this country at the moment. So not as many people are actually going to these venues and they're struggling financially. So that beer and this show are both raising money to keep the lead mill alive. The lead mill is a quite a legendary little place in Sheffield. So to answer your question, Neil, yes, I absolutely am going to be trying to source some of the beer. I think what I'm probably going to do, I'm probably going to contact, well, do you know what the name of the brewery is? Because I'm going to contact the brewery directly and I'll just order some beer from them directly. Don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, never mind. I'll be able to get it. Don't you worry. It'll be it'll be cans of lead mill. We'll be supporting them. And, and it's great that Def Leppard have done that as well, because obviously it's uh, it's just a fantastic thing to do for their hometown. They didn't need to do this, and and they are going ahead and doing it, which is fantastic. So, uh, but yeah, ultimately, of course, it is a warm up show for the the big main event, if you like, on the Monday at Bramall Lane. And what's very exciting, yes, it is a warm up show, but in an inter- the interview with Joe Elliott when he was on, it was either Planet Rock or it was it was Planet Rock, and he said. And I messaged you very excitedly saying we're going to play quite a lot of songs that we won't be playing at Bramall Lane. So what do you think we might get? X in its entirety, front to back. X in its entirety. Yeah, X in its entirety, front to back, done acoustically, uh, maybe with some strings on it to do a little segue into the Drastic Symphonies thing. Yeah, there we are. Uh, no, I mean, like, really? Oh, horrendous. Exactly. I mean, what counts as a deep cut? Imagine, really? Paul, imagine, we're so excited. Imagine if it was shit. 
<laughs> and everyone who's listening who hasn't been able to get a ticket are like, thank God I never had to go and watch them do an acoustic set of yeah or so like you know they go they go to they go to like left wing um not that there's anything wrong with left wing of course but you know what i mean yeah they just they just go way off the rails in sort of in crazy in crazy set lists yeah to left field uh <laughs> yeah they um i mean Whatever, look, whatever they choose to do is going to be just the most extraordinary treat for those of us who are there. I wonder if it will give us any clue as to, therefore, what we might expect maybe not to be played at Bramall Lane, uh, you know, because we know full well that they are definitely our slaves to the fact they've had a load of hits. So come the stadium show, we pretty much know, barring the odd one or two, what that set list is going to look like. So there is absolutely that added flavour at the lead mill. But the, I think the single most important thing from a music perspective, this is just my opinion, but like, you know, you, you've seen you've seen stadium gigs, Neil, the people listening to this will have seen stadium gigs, will have seen arena gigs. They're quite from an actual musical perspective, quite often sound becomes a bit swirly in big venues, mm. especially when uh, the faster stuff, like this is the whole muck thing, isn't it? When you're recording, you're going to play arenas, so actually play mid-tempo stuff. It makes mm. more sense in the big arena, which is absolutely true. I mean, I've been to see Metallica live in arenas and uh, one stadium show, and they're playing thrash metal. You can't really pick out necessarily individual notes that are being played. The pleasure of going to the smaller gig is going to be really getting that the musicianship is going to be writ large over it to maybe an extent it won't be at Bramall Lane. But of course, the thing about Bramall Lane is that's the that's the event. That's the the experience part of it. You know, you're going to be surrounded by 30,000 like minded people watching your favorite band. And, you know, in it, and it, it will be more, it will be a stunning setting. So it's kind of that's the more of the experience mm -hmm. event. But the smaller venue, I think, is going to give us a really fascinating insight for those of us who are lucky enough to uh, to see it. Into so I think you'll get a, a much better view of the musicianship. Is what I think will happen. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I think we'll get? Go on. In terms of quite different to what they'll play at Bramall Lane, I'll tell you what I think we'll get, and then I'll tell you what I want, but I don't think we will get. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, firstly, I think the default position of Def Leppard when they're not playing the usual set list, shall we call it, is they tend to go to high and dry. So if you look at Vegas residencies and, and things like that, so I think you get any of the stuff off the first side of high and dry that they might not normally play. I think you get maybe something like Mirror Mirror, possibly. I think you might get something like a Billy's Got a Gun of Pyromania possibly a paper sun, something like that. I think that's where they'll go. I think they'll go for the sort of harder, heavier, rockier sort of stuff. You know, sweaty little club, sweat dripping off the ceiling and all that. <laughs> Sorry to put yeah. it off if you're going, but it will be, won't it? <laughs> so I think, that, I think that's where they will go. Do you know what I'd love to, to see them do, but they won't, right? Go and on. don't get me wrong, I'm being fully positive here. Whatever they play, I'm just, I'm absolutely buzzing about going to this. I'm just... Gobs, I'm still gobsmacked that we're going, to be honest. They have a thing, don't they, about they can't play that many new songs when they play one of their arena or stadium shows because everyone goes to the bar, blah, blah, blah. No one's asked, right? Only a knobhead is going to be going to the bar if they've got a ticket for the lead mill, and especially if they're only playing for an hour or also or whatever it's going to be. So I think, you know what? You've got a captured audience. You're going to have a load of hardcore like sort of fans there. Like some stuff off Diamond Star Halos that, you know, you're probably never going to play because on the next tour after this, whatever that is, they're not going to be going back to Diamond Star Halos because they don't do that. Yeah, look at the Def Leppard album 2015. They don't still play stuff off that. It's like, this is the one time only. So I would love it if, at the risk of sounding like Kevin Keegan, I would love it if they played some of the stuff off Diamond Star Halos that they're never going to play any other time. And at the bare, bare minimum, They've dropped Fire It Up, which they were playing last year. I'd love them to at least play that, if nothing else. So the one song that they practice playing and they know they can't play, but they dropped because maybe it wasn't popular enough. You can play it there. Does that sound reasonable to you? Or are you thinking, no, that would be the... Because I know you're not that keen on Diamond Star Halo. So would you be like, no, that's the last thing I want. I just want another hit and run and stuff like that. 
Now, what I don't want to do is come across as a waste of a ticket for the lead mill because Diamond Star Halos isn't necessarily to my personal taste. And I'm sure at some point we might get into that uh, somewhere down the line. Uh, that I mean, listen, whatever they play that night, I... My, my thing, right, I, I, I'm when it comes to watching live music... I'm not the best person to ask. Have you seen, you know, when we talk to Kurt, Kurt talks about how um, he saw them play this one specific song at yeah. one gig. And then he, he's got this incredible memory for, for what songs he's seen and what he's not seen. And, and there are people out there who are begging to see particular songs live. I, I'm, I'm not minded to think like that and never have been. For me, it's always just more about an event and an experience. Like there'll be no point asking me, two weeks from either of these gigs exactly what the set lists were because the truth is I'm, I'm probably just really not going to remember the whole thing will just be um at the risk of trying to overblow it too much it, it's like it, it, i'm not a person of religious faith this it's a bit like a religious experience to go and share this with people and be in that mm. place i'm always more minded to just be uh, part of the vibe rather than really paying attention and, and retaining yeah. specifics in regard to the set, which brings me back to whatever they play, whoever is stood anywhere near me inside either <laughs> of the gigs, <laughs> as, as it happens, but particularly in Leadville where it's going to be smaller, you might not want to be too close to me because I, I've, first of all, I've got a very loud voice and I will sing every single fucking word and I'll be belting it. Uh, as well so if you're minded to go there and just listen to joe you might want to stay away from me because i don't care what you play i'm going to be going absolutely ape shit okay so i'll tell you what we'll sort tickets out outside then i'll i'll i'll, I'll, I'll see you on the monday i am staying in sheffield that friday night as well now because of again because of a work logistic thing wow. so yeah my evening doesn't necessarily end when the gig ends which is which is something as well. So uh, I don't know if you go bring your glow sticks. We'll go clubbing. Well, you see, this is it. Like I mean, this is just between me, you, and the millions and millions of listeners to Def Pod. I currently haven't sorted out my logistics, and I'm yet to speak to Miss Mrs. Def Pod about <laughs> what exactly ha is happening here and how long I'm going to be away from home and all of the rest of it because. I've got a ticket or whatever you call it. I don't know if it's a ticket. I've got a thing. I've got an email that I hope is legitimate that says I can go to the HMV in the in Sheffield on the Saturday, pick up my Drastic Symphonies, which is coming out on the Friday, and get it signed by the band. So I was supposed to be going to that. So up until this happened, I was going to drive there on a Saturday, do that, drive back home on the Sunday, and then on the Monday go to Sheffield again, meet you on the train, meet everyone else, or the people that we know, Stay, go to Bramall Lane, do all that, and stay overnight. Now with this lead mill, I've got one of two choices. I either stay over again, so stay over Friday to Saturday, then come home. Oh, don't think they're going to be happy. Or I bin off the HMV signing thing, and I just drive to Sheffield, go to the lead mill, and then drive back the two and a half hours or whatever it is afterwards i'm at home saturday sunday and i just bin off the hmv signing and i'm not gonna lie paul from the second that i got my hmv signing thing i've been trying to think of an excuse not to go and i think i found it yeah uh, it's when when you have families things can get very very awkward can't they around this kind of thing the, the, what you do genuinely have an option. Have you actually had a look at the trains back from Sheffield to uh, to Liverpool from Sheffield on that Friday on that Friday night? Because yeah, the, I think like the, the last ones like to get me back is the last ones like a half nine or something mad like that. Oh, that is a real shame uh, because again, so my warning to you then uh, is that I so I, I am not going to be sober for the lead mill gig. Have you so got a hotel room? Can I sleep on yeah. your floor? Of course you okay. can. Will you, you charge me? Will you charge me for sleeping on the floor of your hotel room? Well, no, because, ladies and gentlemen, to let everybody in a little secret here, I'm actually going to be expensing it through work because of I don't have to justify that to, to everybody. But trust me, it's not me diddling my expenses. I'm not an MP. Uh, this is a perfectly legitimate 
work-related reason for me expensing that hotel that Friday evening. So, frankly, Neil, you can do what you want. Um, and, you expense I mean, hey, two everyone, rooms. The, 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 you've expensed post- two rooms. Just tell them that, you know, halfway, you've got, I don't know, halfway through the night, you'll need to move rooms, so therefore you'll need to book two rooms. Get me a free room, Paul. That's what I'm saying. Get me a free room. Or I'll book a suite. So the, the post-gig party, banded, banned as well, everyone's invited, Come along. It's my hotel room in the Novotel, Sheffield City Centre. I'll I'll post on social media what, what number room it is, and everybody is invited for a, a big post lead mill party. And I definitely won't regret saying that. You might, you might. Okay. In a minute, we're going to listen to you interviewing a lady, a lovely lady, a really enthusiastic lady from Sheffield City Council. But before we go to that clip, one last thing, and then we'll leave the lead mill behind, and then we'll move on to. Ramel Lane. Have you ever seen Def Leppard in a venue as small as the Lead Mill before? No, never. It potentially might surprise some people that this first gig will only be the third time I've seen Def Leppard live. I've only seen Def Leppard live twice before, which may come as a surprise to some people. And again, there's all sorts of reasons behind that. So emphatically, no. What about you? Closest I can get is... I saw them on the X tour in 2002, maybe it might have just been the start of 2003. And they'd, other than Sheffield Arena, I think on that tour, they'd pretty much been downgraded in size to uh, venues that they could play to, theatres and things like that. So I saw them in the Brixton Academy. Now, Brixton Academy is still fairly big, but that size venue. I don't know exactly what the capacity is, maybe like 4,000 or something like that, maybe a bit less. So I've seen them in the Brixton Academy. That's the smallest place that I've seen them. And I remember that because the darkness supported them, but it was no one knew who the darkness was. They hadn't had like the single out or anything. So they came on and I remember thinking, what a day. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and like, and actually, remind me, we are going to go to the clip now. All right, but support bands. Bramall Lane, non-support brands, Motley Crue. Let's talk a little bit about that as well. So now, here is Paul speaking to a lady from Sheffield City Council. Paul, can you just tee us up and just tell us why you spoke to this lady on behalf of Def Leppard? Yeah, this is Wendy Ulliet, who uh, was agreed to speak with us because her job is to promote Sheffield. That is her job with Sheffield City Council, to promote the city of Sheffield. And here she is. Hello, everyone. It's Paul. And I'm delighted to say that we're joined today by Wendy Ulliott, who works for Sheffield City Council. And Wendy, you might be aware that there's quite a big thing happening in Sheffield as far as Def Leppard fans are concerned. So we wanted to speak to you to find out a little bit about Sheffield itself and what the people who are coming into town to enjoy the gig on May the, he desperately says, seeking his uh, seeking his date, May the 22nd. Uh, what can people expect? Tell us all about Sheffield and what should people come and see when they come into town? Well, Paul, uh, we haven't got all day, so um, I'll have to kind of give you the abridged version of what a fantastic place Sheffield is. I can't tell you how lucky I am to do my, my job. I'm, I'm born and bred in Sheffield and um, I, I just can't, I can't, I can't imagine um, how what what the kind of experience people would would think they're going to have if they've never been to Sheffield before. Um, we've got a bit of a history of a you know uh, being a an industrial city and, and we are an industrial city. But please, if you're listening, don't be thinking it's a grimy old place to be. It's one of the most vibrant destinations you can ever come to visit. Certainly in the UK, and we're starting to rival some European cities um, as a as a city break. So you should expect to find um, lots of live music taking place, lots of great bars and restaurants to visit whilst you're here. Clearly you're going to have a fantastic time um, during the, during the concert um, and the gig at, at, at Bramall Lane. And, you know, well, let's all fingers crossed now that Sheffield United kind of just keep a hold of where they're at one from a football point of view as well. Um, but, but, you know, we're a city that has, built a reputation on making great things that have changed um, kind of influenced people's lives globally, going back through the city's history of, of industrial kind of um, 
uh, revolutions of you know the making of steel and the invention of cutlery and silverware all of that's still happening we've got such fantastic skills in in Sheffield so you will find um if you want to seek them out people who are making really fine um contemporary items um but you'll find lots of street art around so you don't have to be interested in in kind of the the cult what we might call as can think of as the kind of traditional cultures of a of a city but you don't need to be in and out of museums and galleries we've got some great street art trails um around the city we've got some great galleries if that's what you're interested in but you can't fail to get a feel for sheffield's heritage just by wandering around um the place what I would say to people is is keep your eyes above the above kind of above street level. Um, some of our best architecture is really easy to walk past because it's around that first floor um, of of buildings, and everywhere you look, you'll find bits of kind of the city's the city's heritage kind of illustrated in stonework and carvings and 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 plaques and stuff. I guess it is also important to say at this point you are coming into a Sheffield which is being remastered and again really important and really exciting. Um, it looks a little bit like a building site pretty much in the city centre because that's what you're walking into but don't be misled that's not because it's a it's a downtrodden city centre it's because we're spending millions and millions of pounds on on redeveloping city centre so we've got some really great modern architecture um, starting to come through as well um, and and that will again that will lead into it being a you know a re really revolutionising what what the city offer is um, I, I kind of I'm really conscious that I'm just talking and talking and talking because there's so much to say but um, you know we're also known as the outdoor city so while we're we are a we you know we're a modern we're a, a city of makers um, there's lots of outdoor space and if you want to spend a little bit of time just kind of breathing in some real fresh air jump on one of our great public transport services and get out towards the Peak District. Um, you know, we're not very far away from from those great open spaces, the National Park. And, you know, I don't know whether you know this, but Sheffield has something in common with Rome. Um, we're built on seven hills and five rivers. So, you know, you can do a bit of kind of European, Europe, European uh, remodelling there if you want to as well. Yeah, for anyone who's never been to Sheffield who is listening to this, and there will be a number of people to whom that applies, the the Peak District is absolutely stunning. Uh, it's it's a it's a, a an area of natural beauty as is de designated in uh, in this country. It's absolutely superb. Sheffield itself is hilly, so do bring your your walking legs with you because uh, if you're going to walk around for a bit, you are going to encounter the odd hill. I think it's safe to say. Uh, it is also, I would guess, Wendy. I mean, I, I always think of Sheffield as being one of England's great northern cities. So you mentioned about the heritage and what have you in the industrial heritage. Uh, is it safe to say that Sheffield, maybe in the same way that Liverpool and Manchester and, and, and Leeds perhaps have, have been previously, that Sheffield has been through hardship over the years and is, is a city that is building itself back up from the post-industrial sort of, certainly through the 1980s, where things became really quite sort of difficult in these cities, didn't they? They, they, they did. And, and I think, Paul, you're right. It, it is fair to say that we, um, you know, we were a city that was built on um, the the kind of industry of, of, of making steel, you know, so we had a number of globally known, recognised steel manufacturing companies um, and that's where a lot of the the kind of people in the city worked. It's what what the whole kind of east end of the city was was built around. Um, some of those production companies still exist. We've still got a, a kind of a global influence in steel, but as that industry has become more reliant on technology, it's also become a much cleaner kind of environment to, to to work in so we're not belching out kind of great plumes of 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 kind of smoke and 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 kind of noxious gases um we're living in a pretty clean you know pretty clean city um that's all tied in with kind of on the you know the water the rivers of the city um which is where our industrial heritage started um we still have a reputation globally as a city of makers those industries are changing. So we've got lots of digital technology um, 
companies kind of evolving and growing in the in the city and investments in in other industries and other sectors um but but yeah pretty much unrecognizable um uh, from from the early 80s uh, when a lot of northern cities were, were struggling um to to find a, a space again in a modern in a modern world yeah and of course it's the early 80s that the band that, uh, that obviously this podcast is is dedicated to it's the early 1980s that's the that's where they emerge from uh, as a band but clearly obviously things are so much different now if i was to sort of put you on the spot and say to you that there's two or three things that visitors to the city really should do what would you say they are oh crikey. um I, I do think it's important people get to know a little bit about the character of, of the city and, and to take a uh, take a walk around the city centre, look at, not because it's a faith building, but because it's kind of particularly magnificent um, and, and tells the story of Sheffield's social kind of history, is pop your heads into Sheffield Cathedral, to be honest, on Church Street, right in the city centre, just to get a feel for um, some of the great things that have happened in, in the city. I think have a wander around, um, taking some of the street art where we've got we've we've got art from international um, internationally renowned renowned artists. Look at Flem, you look at Kid Acney, um, and really just that's a great way of looking around kind of corners of the city that that you wouldn't necessarily um, explore. And um, if I'm honest, grab a local beer. <laughs> cannot begin to imagine how much um, kind of craft ale and brewing has an influence on the city as, as well. Um, we've got we've got many, many kind of local breweries, um, all generally independent um, bars, and they've all got a they've all got a local tap. Go so go find one and actually just take a take a real deep breath about what Sheffield's all about. Yeah, regular listeners to this podcast, of which, again, there are many, I'm pleased to say, will know full well that that makes me very, very happy, Wendy. And I, I do know Sheffield. I, I live just over the Pennines. For anyone who wants to look on a map, I live in Manchester, so I'm really not very far away from Sheffield at all. And it's a city I'm quite familiar with. Uh, for anyone arriving on the train, there is a pub on the train station called the Sheffield Tap, which is an excellent place to get started in terms of trying these local beers. And just in terms of other practical things, Wendy, the the stadium itself, Bramwell Lane, is you've you've alluded to it already. It's the home ground of Sheffield United Football Club, which is the football club that Joe Elliott, who is the lead singer of Def Leppard, uh, that's the football team that he supports. So Sheffield uh, Bramwell Lane is very well known to Joe Elliott, and indeed Bramwell Lane, uh, the street is very well known to Def Leppard. They began rehearsing in a spoon factory on Bramwell Lane. Uh, in the late 1970s. What can you tell us about the stadium and any sort of practical advice for people coming into the city as to how how best to get to the uh, to Bramall Lane? Yeah, great. We're, we're really kind of lucky that um, it's literally on the edge of the city centre. So if you're coming into Sheffield by public transport, jumping on the train or you're coming in using the park and ride services of the tram, jump off in the city centre and it's literally a 10 minute walk um, from there, heading um, kind of southeast, um, well signposted. If you're on the tram, you can you can get off at Granville Road, Sheffield College stop, and it's only a five minute walk from there. Um, but literally, out of the railway station, turn left and follow the road around, and it will take you to Bramall Lane. Um, there'll be lots of people on the street. One of the things for people who aren't familiar with Sheffield is our people are very familiar. They're very friendly. And if you even start to look a little bit lost, don't be surprised if somebody steps in and offers to, to direct you to wherever you need to go to. They are being helpful, not particularly nosy. Um, and they'll be really keen. If, you, if you're really struggling, just stop anybody on the street and they'll point you in the right direction. And can we be expected to be called duck and love, no matter sort of uh, oh, our, we do a lot gender, of our age? Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, um, doesn't matter about gender, doesn't matter about age. Um, I'm not a kind of a... Uh, duck does get used. I think love is far more common. Um, but please take it in the, in the spirit that it's meant. Um, it, it is us literally just being um, friendly, normal, nor normal, northern, um, happy folk. Yeah, fantastic. And just, I suppose, kind of finally, if you could kind of humour me a little bit, I suppose, what what does 
Def Leppard coming back to Sheffield mean to the city? I mean, obviously, economically, it's going to be great, right? Because you're going to get an influx of 35,000-odd people who are going to come in on a Monday evening. Uh, I, I know there's obviously the two big football clubs in the city that bring in a regular influx of, of people and what have you. And you've mentioned everything else that goes on in Sheffield in terms of the live music and what have you. But Def Leppard are Sheffield's biggest selling musical export. They went and conquered the world throughout the 1980s and have never been away. They've they're to this day, they are touring stadiums around the world. It's something that we we kind of every everybody knows. Everybody who lives in Sheffield and was certainly was born in the city knows that Def Leppard um, are are kind of homeboys. You know, so it's they 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 started their group in Sheffield, um, and it's not just that they're coming home. That's really important, but actually, they're giving us a they're giving us an opportunity to show Sheffield to the world. Um, it's great that we can share in their success and we can use the success that they have is to actually promote Sheffield. Another boy's tremendously proud of, of being from the city um, and to be able to share all the great things about Sheffield um, with their fans and their supporters um, across the globe is just an opportunity that, that you know we love to have and we're grateful to them for pre presenting us with that. Absolutely fantastic. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for your time today. So if I do see you in the Sheffield Tap on Monday, the 22nd of May, I'll buy you one of them local beers. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Brilliant. Cheers, Wendy. Thanks, Paul. And we're back. Paul, she's just made me want to move to Sheffield. The whole family, Mrs. Def Leppard, little Miss Def Leppard, Def Leppard Jr., pack your bags. We're going to live in Sheffield. It sounds ace, doesn't it? Yeah, doesn't Wendy do an absolutely fantastic job of promoting her city and a city that can be rightly proud of itself and rightly proud of Def Leppard as representatives and ambassadors for it. She did say, funnily enough, off air, as it were, uh, she said to me that they do get fairly regular inquiries relating to Def Leppard and Sheffield. Uh, so she is answering queries about the band quite often. It's there will be. I think we say in the interview we talk about people coming into Sheffield and and what they can look forward to. It's a fantastic place. It's a great northern city. The people are just wonderful. I, I really can't wait for people like yourself, Neil, actually, who, who don't really know it all that well, uh, to come over and just have an absolutely amazing time. It, it is great. What do we know about Sheffield? Because I thought I'm going to have a quick little look, and I'll thought I'll go. What's Sheffield famous for? other than steel, in an inventing capacity. And I can tell you that Sheffield is very much famous, pretty much for steel, okay? Um, <laughs> you, you get into random stuff. Well, I do believe steel has been quite important in the Industrial Revolution and, um, you know, the progress in the world and everything. So well done, Sheffield. What it is good at, though, and I'm going to make a controversial statement here, anyone from our home cities are not going to be happy with what I'm about to say. We come from cities where... The people in our cities are very proud of the music from our cities. Some may say overly so. Let's not go there. Okay. Right. There's some big bands, one obvious one from Liverpool. There's many big bands from Manchester. I think the music scene for diversity and different types of bands of Sheffield is better than that of Liverpool or Manchester. Agree or disagree? Agree because I think with Liverpool you immediately think Mersey beat the the so and even you get someone like a, a modern artist who's making great waves Jamie Webster who I love I think is fantastic it is that jangly indie Mersey beat influence thing Manchester famously Madchester the acid house scene and the hacienda of the late 1980s, early 1990s, that segues into the Stone Roses, which segues into the indie thing with Oasis and what have you. There's a very uh, generalised sound to that as well. With Sheffield, I immediately think of three bands, Def Leppard, obviously, Pulp being another one, and The Human League being another one. Three, I, by the way, there are way more, but three, yeah, yeah very, very different types of bands. And my big top tip for Sheffield artists is if you've never heard Richard Hawley before, everyone, he was in Pulp for a bit. Like in he played live with him. He's like he was like a session musician, but he's like a spinner solo artist and since what well, early two thousands. He's brilliant and his voice is absolutely amazing. Paul, very, very quickly, I'm gonna give you some names. 
right? I want you to say Sheffield or not Sheffield in terms of are these famous people from Sheffield or not Sheffield? Just to let you know, if they're not from Sheffield, they're from Leeds. Okay, Sheffield, not Sheffield. Peter Stringfellow. Sheffield. Correct, Sheffield. For anyone who doesn't know who Peter Stringfellow is, Google him, but not safe for work. Right, okay, next... (laughs) Harry Maguire, the footballer who plays for Manchester United. Don't know, so I'll just say not Sheffield. Sheffield, right, okay. Next up, Mel B from the Spice Girls. Oh, I'm sure she's Leeds, not Sheffield. Correct. Jeremy Paxman. Oh, oh, okay, not Sheffield. Correct, he's also he's from Leeds. Jeremy Paxman's like it was a political commentator here. Okay, last two. You might not know this one because I don't know if you're old enough. Marty Kane. Do you know who Marty Kane is? No, and now I feel terrible. So okay, guess Sheffield. Yes, she is. She was she was the host on a program in the eighties called New Faces, which was like a sort of X Factor or a pop idol or something like that. But it was more diver- no, it wasn't just music. So Lenny Henry, that's where Lenny Henry was first seen on the telly. And then finally, Peter O'Toole, the actor. Not Sheffield. Correct. Right then, Paul. So moving on to Bramall Lane on Monday, the 22nd of May, year of our Lord. Right. We're going to see Def Leppard. We're going to talk about Def Leppard, obviously, in a minute at Bramall Lane. But there's two other bands playing. Vivas and Motley Crue. Let's talk about Motley Crue first. Discuss. Yes, definitely. Mrs. Paul is much more interested in watching Motley Crue than she is in watching Def Leppard. She'll be there in her Motley Crue t-shirt. But honestly, between the two of us, the kind of the main sort of fascination with it is just this belief that it's going to be a bit of a car crash because I think we're probably all somewhat familiar with all this backing tracks business that's gone on. Mick Mars is suing them and what have you. So we we have an interest in Motley Crue. Cat's more into sort of their music than I am. But that said, I've got a little bit of time for Motley Crue, even though I do think fundamentally they are shit. But we are making an effort because, I mean, I'm not going to go and see them, and I'll explain why in a minute. And it's not a hipster choice. I'm not making a point. I'm not trying to give it to the the Motley fans out there. So I'll tell you the reason I'm not going to see them, but I'll tell you the effort that I've been making to try and like them. And it's worked mm-hmm. to an extent, okay? So I'm not going to see them because, as I mentioned earlier, I saw the Darkness support, Def Leppard at Brixton, who were very, very good. They were the last band I ever saw support Def Leppard. Now, there's a reason for that. And it's nothing to do with the darkness, and it's nothing to do with Def Leppard, and it's nothing to do with any other bands. It's not you, it's me. And what I would say is, I just can't be arsed anymore. I'm too old, I get tired, so I like to sit down until the last possible moment I can, where I have to go into the arena and then stand up. I even get fed up like waiting for like the 10 minutes before. I, I, I can't even be doing with that these days. So I will normally sacrifice getting quite close so I don't have to stand up for as long. I just don't go to see other bands because I'm lazy. So I won't be going to see Motley Crue. The second reason linked to that is because I'm going to see Def Leppard four times. Three of those times, Motley Crue will be there. And the second time I go and see them will be at Wembley. And at Wembley, it's all seated. So I'll watch Motley Crue. I'll watch Motley Crue because <laughs> I can sit down or I can stand up for a bit and then sit down if I get tired. And I've got that in mind, and I'm trying to get into them, even though I don't like them. I think, Did I share it with you? I created a, I created a playlist of the set list. Now, I couldn't tell you the name of any of the, the songs, I'll be honest with you, other than the obvious stuff. Some of it's okay. Some of it's okay. What's okay, Paul? Tell our listeners. I mean, they must, they might love Motley Crue, and I'm not, I'm not throwing any shade on. I mean, I am throwing shade on them, but I'm trying to do it in a really polite British way. Yeah, my favourite Motley Crue song is "Looks That Kill." It, it's a, got, a, it's just a fantastic riff. It's played really heavy. I, I do like "Girls, Girls, Girls." I know you're not, but you certainly weren't a fan of it when we first spoke about that set list. Go on, where, where have you? So, "Looks That Kill," 
girls, girls, girls. I do have the soft spot for the ballads uh, Without You and Home Sweet Home. I'm not sure Without You is on that set list, actually. The, I think Home Sweet Home is. Uh, so they're the ones that sort of stand out for me. I like Home Sweet Home. I think that's pretty good. And do you know what? I like Paul. I prefer their earlier stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the first album actually has got like a real kind of punky little vibe to it. And there is one yeah. really good song on it. Um, what's the flipping heck? What's the name of the album? What's the name of Crew's first album? I don't know. I've got you on as the Motley Crew. I've got you on as the Motley Crew expert because Mrs. Paul likes Motley Crew. You don't you don't be asking anything of me and put me on a spot like that. Then you, you, as much as you're gonna get from me at this point is there's one really good song on the first album which has got a bit of a punky vibe to it. The, the main problem isn't Motley Crew on record. The main problem is that they're not particularly good musicians. So the light Tommy can play. Um, I know actually a lot of people will be really balking at me for that. So let's really hone in on what the problem is. The problem is Vince Neil. Vince Neil is not a very good performer these days. And yes, we've got all that stuff around the backing tracks and all the controversy and what have you. I, I, I don't know quite what to expect. That Their sound mix on the, this, the American leg of this world tour was awful because Nikki's bass was so high in the mix as well, you know, just determined to be heard because the can hate each other as well, don't they? So, <laughs> which doesn't help. So, yeah, on record, I don't have too much of a problem with Motley Crue. It's the live thing that's the biggest problem for me. If you're listening to this and you're going to Bramall Lane and you like Motley Crue, I genuinely hope Motley Crue are good. We've all paid a lot of money for this. So if you've gone to see Motley Crue, I genuinely hope they're good. And I hope that reservations are wrong. And I hope they're good and it's all sound and everything. Let's see if it is. I do know that lots of people did go and see them on the last leg of the stadium tour and have liked them and everything and all that. There's a lot to look at, I've noticed. I've, I've, there uh, is, and which that, in that and of does, itself, I think, tells a story, Paul. Well, that does form part of Cat's sort of thing, like the, the big 80s uh, appeal. Uh, if you were to define Cat's taste, it wouldn't be me. It would very much be a big 80s hair metal rocker kind of thing. And I've just remembered the first album is called Too... I haven't Googled this, I promise. It's Too Fast for Love. So the title track is really good, but there's also a song on it called Merry Go Round, which is also very, very good. So, yeah, a little bit more Motley Crue stuff for you there. Oh, I'll check them out in Wembley. I've got a burning question for you for when we go and see Def Leppard in Sheffield, Ramalee, 22nd of May, Monday, right? Band t-shirts or not band t-shirts? I have got my wardrobe already planned. I know exactly what I'm doing for each thing. So yes <laughs> is the answer. And I have, so I own three Def Leppard band t-shirts. I'm probably going to wear one of them twice because one of them I'm not so keen on, uh, but I know exactly which gig I'm wearing, which shirt at. It's not even a question for me, Neil. What about you? I'm not. I sound like a terrible killjoy, don't I? I'm not going to see Motley Crue, probably not wearing a band T-shirt. And the best analogy I can give that I think you might understand just to show this is broader than music, you know when you go to the football, do you wear a football shirt of the team that you support? No, I don't. Yeah, and I never have as well. And I just don't, and I just never have. And I'm sort of the same with bands. I've got lots of band T-shirts, but I just wear them around the house. And I've got no rhyme or reason for it, but I just don't wear colours of any form, whether it be sort of footballs or music. Everyone else looks great in them and everything, and it's all cool. And wear your T-shirts and everything, but no, I will not be wearing a Def Leppard yeah, or I any other band T-shirt. I definitely wouldn't wear another band T-shirt if Kiss were around. It'd make me take it off in front of the camera and humiliate me and then put it all over <laughs> YouTube. I don't know if you've seen that. But have we discussed so, that before? Uh, I feel we have. I saw David Coverdale do something similar to someone wearing a Kiss shirt once, which was really, really, which was really, really funny. Uh, I I enjoy looking like part of an invading army. Like I want people to know I'm in Sheffield and I'm going to Bramall Lane that night for this specific purpose. To the point okay. whereby, I mean, to be honest with you, Neil, my whole wardrobe, I'm actually, as I'm sat here for people who like are on the uh, Gods and More thing, I'm wearing a work T-shirt at the moment. It's just what I've been wearing throughout the course of my work day today. Uh, I, pretty much everything I own is a band T-shirt of some description. I am that sad middle-aged man who just walks around wearing his favourite heavy metal band t-shirts that is who i am so it's all i have to wear anyway so 
I might as well. And I, yeah, I enjoy being part of the invading army. I want people to know why I'm there. Okay, fair play. I am going to read out some listeners' questions. So this is Brent. Brent from New Zealand. Good lad. I like Brent. His question is about deep cuts. Will they play any deep cuts at Bramall Lane? I think we know the answer to that is no. So I'm going to take the spirit of Brent's question here. How deep might they go at Bramall Lane on the 22nd of May? What a gig in Britain affords them. You've made this point to me before. In fact, let, do you know where I'm going with this? It's this point that in the UK, they could easily, it's your fooling example, they could drop a song like yeah. Fooling out of the set here in the UK and throw something else in. And it wouldn't make a massive difference to a UK audience because the UK audience, the, the, like the casual fan, is, is there for a smaller number of songs than the US casual fan is there for because they've not had as many chart hits here in the UK. But the question then becomes what counts as deep. So they did have, they did score a hit over here with Action, for example. So if they were to play action, would that count as a deep cut? In this day and age, when you look at Def Leppard's set lists, yes, definitely. It's all relative. So so, so therefore, my next question is, what if they played Make Love Like a Man, which was a hit over here? Yeah, I'd count that as a deep cut. I know these are both singles, so therefore you'd think a single can't be a deep cut, but Again, to reference the relatively limited set list that you get at a Def Leppard gig, this is all relative. So I think anything like that, we can class as a deep cut. Do you know what I think we will get? I would wager one gold sovereign coin on this. I think you get wasted in the encore. If there is it, well, yeah, there must be an encore, surely. I think you get wasted. I think returning to Sheffield, that, that makes a ton of sense. And I, I really, really hope you're right. It's a song that I absolutely love and would, would love to. De- definitely haven't seen them play that live, by the way. That I said earlier, I don't really remember sets. I know full well I've not seen them play Wasted Live. So, uh, so yeah, would, that, would absolutely love that. Um, I, I did have a question that I was going to ask you. I don't know if this comes up on the thing, um, but I, I just wanted to... Have you been to Bramall Lane before? Like, think specifically about the venue. No, no, I have. I uh, I went to watch just once. Uh, I saw Sheffield United play at Liverpool there about five years ago, uh, something mm. like that. It's um, what are you expecting from like a staging perspective? Like, is it going to be when I went to watch ACDC at Hampden Park, which is another football stadium? They didn't set the stage up at a goal end. They set it up along a touchline. What are you All expecting? Right. In, yeah, what are you no, expecting? Will, in like that staging setup. Yeah, this this will be at the goal end. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think the vast, vast majority of the time it is. I mean, Bramall Lane in and of itself. I mean, it's a classic, sound, cool, British football stadium. Sheffield United and Sheffield Wednesday are big football teams. The Sheffield United are actually just being promoted to the Premier League. They're a bit of a yo-yo club, that's fair to say. I don't think I'm um, offending anyone by saying that who might support Sheffield United uh, and listen. But they are a historically good-sized, well-known, respected football club in Britain. That's saying that, though, the ground isn't huge. I think it's like 30,000 capacity, something like that, for a game of football. So I don't know if that's slightly bigger for a gig. I assume it is because you can get people standing on the pitch. Um, so you do lose to stand behind. But I was splitting hairs. But my experience of going to see bands in stadiums you wouldn't expect to normally go and see bands is, is that as soon as you put a load of people in there and you put a stage in it, they feel big. So I went to see REM in 1995 in Huddersfield's ground. The name of which escaped. Is it the McAlpine Stadium or it was called the McAlpine a, Stadium? Yeah, it was the Alfred McAlpine Stadium back in M days. Yeah. Yeah, it... Now, that is a relatively small football ground, pretty capacity, 25,000, something like that. But when you're in there and when there's loads of people in there and it's a gig, it feels like Wembley, you know, or it feels really big. It feels like a bigger sort of ground. So even though this is a relatively small ground, I think it's going to be pretty much sold out. And if not sold out, you know, it's going to be full 
let's let's put it that way. I think it will feel and sound big. And if you put a gun to my head now, don't pull because it's dangerous, <laughs> right? But if you were, if you're going to three Def Leppard gigs, I'm going to four. If you said you can only go to one, gun to your head now, I'm going to Bramall Lane. That's the one I'm picking. I'm sure, oh, blimey. Do you know what? I'm actually not going to answer that question for myself because I, I haven't thought it through. So let me, so I'll get back to you and answer to that another time. In terms of, I'm just fascinated by the setup. I think the, what's the word I'm looking for? The aesthetic of a stadium gig is something special. And I think we've all seen that with this leg of the world tour so far. And it is just worth, again, pointing out to listeners who are not familiar at all with British soccer or, or Bramall Lane. Bramall Lane is an old-fashioned place as well. And these old-fashioned football stadiums are becoming quite rare. They've, they've all been replaced by modern superstructures that are a bit identical. They all look like they've come from the same Lego set, if you like. Yeah. But Bramall Lane is full of character. You will be walking into people who've not been there before. You'll be walking slightly backwards in time, actually, in terms of the way it's set up. And I mean that as a wholehearted positive. It will bring with it its very own atmosphere, Bramall Lane. It's I think it's going to be an absolutely brilliant venue. I'm assuming Bramall Lane is a little bit like Goodison or Anfield in Liverpool, which is Everton and Liverpool's grounds. Is it? tight packly in like a residential area and it's just streets and streets around it you know yeah very much in an urban area my memory of it is it's not overtly residential because again if we think back to the all the, the spoon factory stories of it's course. kind of more sort of in, it's sort of more industrial uh, again for anyone listening if you ever went to filbert street in leicester i'd probably liken it yeah. a little bit more to filbert street in in leicester which was another old now no longer their football ground but these football grounds in england whether you're into football or not or soccer from the us they they have about them a certain character i mean i speak as someone who is not a baseball fan say but i've been to yankee stadium and i watched the yankees play uh, in yankee stadium and it was phenomenal you know i had an absolutely incredible time there i've been inside madison square garden uh, i've been to a lot of these iconic places not through any interest in the sport necessarily but just in in, in my interest is in the architecture so i really think people who've not been to bramall lane before are going to find that it it sparkles with something and crackles with something quite special on that monday night oh Get excited, Paul. Get excited. Right. We're going to start bringing it to an end. So, we do want to talk about the gig itself. Obviously, Def Leppard have done the stadium tour in the US last summer. In the earlier part of this year, they've played South America. My question to you is how much do you know of what they've done before in these shows? And how much of this is going to be a surprise to you? Kind of comes back to the set list question okay my answer is what i've heard through def let pod as much as anything else and bits i've caught on twitter I, i'm not someone as who sits and pours over the set list especially with a band like def leopard where the set list is pretty much the same all the time it's different like metallica i think are a, the standard bearer in this to be totally honest mm. metallica don't have hits so it's easier for them to mix their set list up. They don't have as many chart hits that they're beholden to. Definitely are beholden to chart hits. But like Metallica are doing this, this two-night back-to-back no-repeat thing uh, on this tour. That they're, I don't know if that's already started or if that's coming up as a leg uh, on this tour. So things are incredibly interchangeable. So it's less what I know, Neil. It's more what I expect I guess I'd, I'd be amazed if I'm throwing any surprises, if you like. Um, that's probably where I am kind of with it. What about what about you? I know loads about it and too much. And I'm sort of regretting a little bit being so on the ball last summer and watching so many YouTube videos and watching like the live streams and everything and all of that. I, in hindsight, I do regret that a little bit because I think I know a lot of what's going to come. However, I was very excited, Paul, So, and I enjoyed doing it at the time. And secondly, all of the live streams and all of the YouTube videos and all of that in the world are not going to represent what it's going to be like to be there. And I do think this will be different, specifically because it's this hometown show. And I think also what we do get is this is the first date 
of this leg of the tour. So what we might get is them trying a couple of things out that they haven't done. What they've tended to do is they might try a couple of things out, they work, they don't work or whatever, and then by the time you get halfway through a leg, it then settles down. So what we might get is the little bit of unsettled set list that we will get to experience and enjoy. So I think the fact that it's Sheffield, I think the fact that it's the first gig of this leg of the tour does open the door slightly to maybe getting something different to what they've played on the previous legs of this tour. But when I say different, I mean, you know, one, two songs, maybe. Um, so it'll be it'll be interesting. So, Paul, I'll just go through one more listener question, okay? Because, you know, time is tight. We've got to start washing our hair and packing our bags for Sheffield, okay? So, Tom McKay on Facebook. Hiya, Tom. Good lads as well. Everyone, all good lads. When Def Leppard are home in Sheffield, do they ever connect with Pete? Would they ever want to write together for fun? I'll let you answer. I think I know the answers to both of those questions. So, when they are home in Sheffield, do they ever connect with Pete? Um, I would almost certainly think the answer is no. It's quite sad, isn't it? The idea that, you know what? I think we sometimes struggle to get our heads around with bands that actually it is a job for, you know, I think with, with yeah. Def Leppard, they're such a unique thing in that they do all get on so well. Obviously, that wasn't the case back when Pete was in the band. And ultimately, Pete is someone who they once worked with many, many yeah. years ago. In the same way that if, you know, whatever previous job you've had, I've had, everyone listening's had, you don't stay in touch with everybody you used to work with. So I think, sadly, the answer probably is no. And that segues immediately into the next question, which and I think um, as well, it's Tom, yeah, uh, who's, who's asked the question. I, I think as well, Tom, if you look at how they wrote and recorded the last album and the idea that they're going to continue to do this remotely, that it's it's not actually conducive just to sit in in a room and you know striking up a few chords and a few riffs with someone, which is a shame. I think something definitely gets lost in that anyway. Mm. Personally, so so sadly, no, and 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 I do mean sadly because we'd love to think that you know there is still some connection there and everyone gets on beautifully, but ultimately, Pete is a guy. They they worked for the same company. Uh, in years ago, you know what I mean? It's uh, I think that's where we are. That's always my analogy. If you worked with someone 30 years ago and you worked with them for about five years, in any other walk of life, are you still going to be in touch? Yeah, maybe with like a really good mate or something that you made, but the majority of people, probably not. And you'd like to think there's a more emotional connection and that, but I think the cold hard reality is what you just said. Well, at the end of the day, you know, it is a bit of a job and we'll all move on. I mean, these fellas are like in the 60s now. You're talking about someone you're hanging around with when they were 20. So, and like teenagers. So, you know, it's it's been a long time. Your other points I agree with as well is they effectively haven't written together as a band. You know, we, we did the Hysteria pod set recently. Everyone go and listen to it, eight parts. Nothing better out there um, in audio content for Def Leppard and Hysteria. Not because it's miles better than everything else. There's literally nothing else out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but on that album, with the exception of Rick Allen and with the addition of Mutlang, they all have songwriting credits. The last time you get anything close to that is the X album. And then pretty much from songs from the Sparkle Lounge, any team work is tends to be couples of you know like a joe a joe and a phil or something like that um so yeah i think increasingly they write solo or maybe just in pairs you might get free max maybe so yeah i, I don't think that would um, happen either to be honest right then paul last question what are you looking forward to i am honestly going to boil it down to a single moment and because how do i best explain this in terms of how my brain works I will, the moment I get on that train on that Monday afternoon and I've got my bag of cans, hopefully my lead mill beer, and I've got my baby bells and my scotch eggs and my mini pork pies and my crisps and my chocolates and all this for our 50-minute picnic to Sheffield. Honestly, that is the moment I'm looking forward to because that's the start. This 
it takes out. I mean, the lead mill thing. Let's park that for a second, and because the lead mill yeah. thing will become its own thing, we'll 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 deal with that separately. But in terms of the Bramall Lane gig and what that signifies, that is the moment, honestly, that I'm most looking forward to because that will be my that that will be the moment my brain says it's happening now. It it won't. I won't have to wait until the first chords of the first song. It will just be getting on that train that moment. It's like when you have to get up in the middle of the night to catch your flight to go on holiday and it's all really exciting and dark, even though we're adults, it's still really exciting. And it's like, yeah, I'm going on holiday. I'm off work for a week or two weeks. It's the equivalent of that, isn't it? I absolutely agree. Right. That's it. We're done. Everybody who's listening, thank you very, very much for listening to season five over the first part of 2023 of Def Leppard. It's been massively appreciated. We're hitting numbers bigger than we've ever hit before. And everyone who's contributed, and there's been a lot of people who've contributed, not least you, Paul, who've really stepped up and helped me out loads on this. So thank you much. You are our new hostess with the most S as well. We have a dual hosting system here on Def Leppard. Stay subscribed. There will be bonus episodes. We'll see you all properly as such in a couple of months. And Paul, I'll see you on the train in Sheffield. See you on the train. Bye-bye.